Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, 2 Peter is all of three chapters long, but we've been doing a verse by verse through chapter 1, seeing the uh, things we would add to our faith. And we saw at the end of chapter 1, Peter said that when he made known the gospel, he wasn't declaring some cleverly devised tale or fable. He wasn't like, oh, I'm making up something here. This is what we actually saw. This is what we heard. We saw, we, we saw Jesus change from his earthly body. He was standing there with Moses and Elijah. Now, it was only Peter and James and John, the three of them. And they were with him up there on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, when... Jesus changed and was trans Moses and Elijah were shining. It's as bright as the sun. They're just gleaming white and white robes. And but Jesus, as he began to converse with them, what happened to Jesus? That man that they've been looking at, that earthly man, right in front of them, his body, his visage started to shine bright. And he was, we call it transfigured. His figure was transformed from this earthly tent to that glorious, eternal, that right in front. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been going, oh, this is, this is good. And Peter did, by the way. Peter said, it is good that we were here, Lord. This is really good. We should build, and he said, we should build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I don't know what he was thinking, but, you know, Wet Socks Peter always comes up with a harebrained idea, and he's like, um, I don't know, Jews are like, let's charge a mission or something. I don't know. He was so excited. It must have been something, but there was that other little detail we, we, we looked at what Peter said. He said, and we heard a voice, a voice of the Most High, the one that cried out from the heavens. Now, how'd you like this for a nice touch? While you're visiting with seeing Jesus visit with Moses and Elijah, the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then those three precious words, listen to him we have to listen to the lord now peter ended the chapter after that by saying that there is not one word of the scripture that is given by just by the will of man it's actually given by that move of god's spirit through man and we went to see david's final words in second samuel 22 where he said that he only spoke the things of the psalms that he wrote and stuff. He said, those were just words what God filled my mouth with. They just came from him, and I was just a vessel for those words to flow through. That's really important that we recognize. How many of you realize we can be vessels for God's Spirit to speak right through? He can put his words in our mouth, and someone might really need to hear those words. And so he says, I've got you guys. I've got." And this is why some people, they wrestle with the Christian's um, expressions in some some of church history, they're like, why um, did those guys build a gold building over there and put all this stained glass and stuff? And why did those guys not even build a building? And why did those guys... And, and G did Jesus build any buildings, by the way, when he was on this earth? Did he build any, you know, let's let's build a cathedral and worship, have worship to God? No. He said, you guys, you guys shall be my building." You guys, will, and Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, he told them, don't you guys know your body is a temple for, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is to live inside you. And 
This is so God can take his spirit portable to the places where it's needed. Sometimes you can't get people to go to a church building, what we think of in American Western Christianity as a church facility. You can't always get them to come to a church building, but you can have, God can send one of his followers, one of his Christians to the person who's hurting. They could be out on the streets. They could be behind a building somewhere, crying their eyes out. And the Lord could go, I'm sending you in. And his spirit is designed. It's so they can, they can get a taste of God's spirit even if they don't go to a church building. God says, I'll use you guys. I'll fill you. And how full did he want to fill us with the spirit? What did Jesus say? The spirit will be like a torrent of living water. It will, it will percolate up in you. It will, it will overflow like a fountain. And I pray, Lord, fill us to be full of your spirit, full of the leading of your spirit, full of overflowing with the things of your spirit so that when people come in contact with us, that living water of God will just quench those thirsty souls. Because Jesus cried out, anyone who is thirsty, that all who are thirsty, all ye who are hungry, what did he say? Come to me. Come to me. I will give you. I will give you to drink. I will give you to eat. And this is in Revelation, but also it's a fulfillment of some verses from Isaiah. He will give us fulfillment unto our, to, to our soul is full. Satisfaction, guys. That's the, from the Greek, uh, the Hebrew, it's to be completely, ah, oh, I am satisfied. This new generation growing up right now has been the most heavily targeted by these marketers to such an extent that there's never a contentment with what they have. And Paul said he learned a great secret. He said, whether I abase or I abound, whether I have little or I have a lot, he said, I have learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstance I am in. If you're not content with what you do have, even if you get more, you won't be content with that. You know, the Bible says the flesh is never content. The eye, it says, is never full of seeing. The ear is never full of hearing. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because Peter had been pastoring folks for a while. I can tell because what he writes in Second Peter, he's going, guys, I'm going to leave soon. The Lord's made it clear to me I'm about to depart. I want you to know we follow Christ crucified, not a fable. And the fulfillment of all those holy scriptures that were inspired by the Holy Ghost to, to speak to men about his about his coming Messiah. Jesus, well, Jesus said all the scriptures testify of him. When he spoke to the Pharisees in John 5, 39, he said, you guys think these scriptures give you everlasting life. It's not these. These scriptures point you to Jesus. Jesus gives you everlasting life. But they were unwilling, he said, to come to him. Now, Peter goes on in to chapter 2 of Second Peter, and he says these guys in the last days, these false prophets also arose amongst the people back then just as there will also be false teachers amongst you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them and bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Then many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words, and their judgment from long ago, it is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, committed them 
to pits of darkness reserved for judgment and he didn't he also did not spare the ancient world but he preserved noah a preacher of righteousness with seven others and when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly and if he condemned the cities of sodom and gomorrah to destruction reducing them to ashes having made them an example to those that would live ungodly thereafter and if he rescued lot righteous lot oppressed by sensual conduct of unprincipled men for by what he saw and he heard that righteous man while he was living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day with their lawless deeds he says then the lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment especially those that are indulged in the flesh and its corrupt desires and they despise authority, they're daring, self-willed. They don't tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge and will in the, in the destruction of those creatures, also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery, and they never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they've gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for by a dumb donkey, speaking with a voice of a man, it says he restrained the madness of the prophet. Now these are springs without water, mists driven by a storm for whom black darkness has been reserved. I don't know about you, but this doesn't sound like a really great group you want to be classified in. You know, not, not, not the ungodly, unrighteous side of this, of this passage. I mean, he says there were some righteous ones in the mix, but they had these false prophets, false teachers. Now, what were they supposed to do in the Old Testament if they had a false prophet? And he prophesied falsely. They're supposed to stone him to death. Do you also know that in, in the law it says if the prophet would prophesy something and it came to pass? The test, by the way, of being a, a false prophet or a true prophet, the, the scripture says, in after they prophesy, if they should say to you then, come, let us follow other gods other than the true and living God, then you should stone them to death also because it's not based on just can they prophesy to get it right. Even time and chance you might get a prophecy. This I prophesy the sun will rise tomorrow. I might have time and chance on my hand. It might happen. I mean, sometimes some of the things that false prophets prophesy are silliness i mean of course they prophesy with like such authority but it's some stuff that we already know is going to happen anyway but then the true acid test the scripture says of are they a true prophet of the lord is when they are done prophesying do they say now go follow the lord jehovah if they say come follow baal or go follow this other god or they're a false prophet. doesn't matter if they prophesy things and they come to pass. If they try to lead you away from the true and living God, they are a false prophet. Now, they had false prophets in the Old Testament. And Peter, 
in this early age of the church, he's been pastoring for the first 30 years or so of what we call Christian church history. Jesus has died, rose again, 33 AD, and now Peter writing this epistle, somewhere around 66, I believe, uh, AD, he writes this letter. So 33 years have gone by of church history. The first years, the first three decades. And you know what he says? They got false teachers. Can you believe that false teachers would creep into the early church? I mean, it's only been three decades. How dare they corrupt the church at such an early age of it, of church history? Right? We should, wouldn't you expect that the gospel would have stayed pure for years and years? That the truth, I mean, here it is delivered to them. Peter, an eyewitness of Jesus up on the mountain. Eyewitness. An eyewitness of, his, of him on the cross. Although he... Remember, he did kind of deny that he knew him, remember? But an eyewitness of him resurrected. And here he is going, guys, these are the things that are so important to hold on to, that we keep growing, that we realize the scripture is all given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But there are false teachers. And here's one of the things you can spot them by. In verse 2, he says, many of them follow their own sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth is maligned. And in their greed, they exploit. With false words, he says, and their, their judgment from long ago. This is something, Peter, I'm glad he put this in. This, this, if he wouldn't have put this in, I would have been bummed out. Because he, you know, I have recognized there are some false teachers around. You, do, you try your best to teach people the word of God in whole, wholeness and purity. But then comes along these, these guys and they're creeps. They teach heresies. They teach falsehoods. They, they teach, um, there was a fellow, there was a fellow going around the United States just, now this has been, um, I, I came here 24 years ago to Hawaii. Right as I was leaving Arizona to come to Hawaii, this guy started gaining a pretty big platform in the middle, lower part of the, uh, of the United States, in the southern part. And he started, this preacher, he used to say, God has called you all to be his children. And he uses First John chapter 3, verse 1, a wonderful verse. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons or children of God, and such we are. And then he goes from that verse, that's like his launching pad for his doctrine. And you are a child now of the King, God Most High. And as a child of the King, you deserve to have what King's kids deserve to have from their dad. And so I want you to know that all you have to do is ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. And now he's quoting Jesus. That's pretty good. Knock and the door will be open to you. And Jesus wants you to have all things. And so Jesus, even Jesus was wealthy. And he had six homes throughout the Galilee. And he had all this money and he wants you to have that money. And all you have to do is send me some money and I, and I will send you my prayer cloth or my special anointed holy water bottle and you will have blessings come out on your life. And for just a mere donation of $100, this $100 24 years ago, that was a lot of money. And he was, this guy was a crook. I need you to give so that, you know, the ministry can be prospered and more people can be touched with this glorious message of prosperity and God wants you to be healthy and happy and wealthy and wise. And 
All you need to do is learn to name and claim the things as a child's king's kid. Children of the king, most high. And, and he came out with this doctrine. I about started vomiting all over the place. I'm like, that is just, that's heresy. First of all, I, I, I'm going to go with this. How many scriptures did Peter say were inspired by the Holy Ghost? All. All of the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not, not by men, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke these things. Not men coming up with this in their own brain. And one of the fellows in this New Testament gathering of scriptures, he wrote that Jesus spoke these words. He said, the foxes, they have holes. The birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Man has six homes in the Galilee, all spread around the region of Israel, right? No, he didn't say that, did he? The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, I got a question for you. Should I go with what the scripture says? How much did Jesus have? He said he didn't have a place to lay his head. But here's this guy in the 1900s proclaiming, the late 1900s, proclaiming that Jesus was truly rich on this earth, that he had multiple treasures and houses, and, and you too need to have these things, and, and he needs to have a new Mercedes, so send the $100 and he will send you the little bottle of holy anointing water, and you can be blessed, and just sprinkle it over your, over your, over your house, and your mortgage will be paid, and all these things he claimed. You know what made me sick is people did it. And I, I, I effectually called him the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it guru who started teaching this doctrine that was false. It's a false doctrine, guys. Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, he doesn't say you get your bottle of holy anointing oil from this false teacher and sprinkle it around and all of a sudden you shall have all that you desire. It is not that God has created this scriptures to be a, um, a magic uh, genie lamp. You know, just take the Bible and rub it and poof, God pops out and says, your wish is my command. He's not there to just be bossed around by our prayers to get what we want. Now, I'm not saying that we can't ask for things in prayer because we're told to. But he says, seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, and all the things what we need, not all the things we want. I know that that's, he says, all the things we need will be added to us but these guys have twisted and this is what they're following after something they're following after their own sensuality they're following their greed and because of their greed peter says they exploit you with their words now gosh he was saying that was happening just 33 years into church history there was guys exploiting the gospel they were taking advantage of people's desire to worship God, and they were fleecing the flock, I call it. Just shear those sheep down to the nubs, man. Let's take all their wool. Let's take everything they make, give to the church, and, and make us, your leaders, the wealthy ones. That's not what Jesus told his disciples. Guys, I'm going to send you out. How much stuff did he tell them to take on this journey? Nothing. Not an extra change of clothes. Not an extra walking stick nothing just go whatever city you come to you you share the gospel there whoever's worthy they'll take you in don't go from house to house don't be bopping around they gotta take care of them yeah but they got all excited about wow lord demons are subject to us in your name and 
and the sick are healed in your name. And this is so great. And he said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice instead that your name is written with the Lamb's Book of Life. And whenever guys start to pad their own greed and their own sensuality, take care of themselves, look after themselves as leaders, there's going to be problems. And Peter says, but don't worry. Their judgment from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. And then he uses the examples, which I don't know why. I paid attention to the examples. I just didn't connect the dot what Peter was saying. He says, as an example, God didn't spare the angels when they sinned. He didn't spare the ancient world when they sinned. And he tells us about Noah. He didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah when they sinned. Now, Peter says, God didn't spare the ancient world. He destroyed it with, with water, flooded it. Now, at the end of this book, he's going to say, since God destroyed the ancient world with water, guys, don't think he's not going to take care of injustices. This world, however, will not ever be destroyed by water. He said when he put that rainbow in the sky, he said, I will never do it this way again. That is my sign to you. How will this world end? By fire. And he says, since it's going to be destroyed by fire, how, what kind of people should we be? How should we behave? How should we behave towards the people that are perishing? Should we tell them? Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.